Welcome to Youthology Live and Youthology Resources. You are joining us on all kinds of formats. Thank you for doing that. If you're wondering where to find us, here's a quick uh, promo. Just go to our social media, hit the link tree, and at that link tree address, you will find all of our platforms. You can go to our website at youthology.com and see the blog to this manuscript. You can go to YouTube and watch our uh, watch the all of our leadership videos there at YouTube. On that link tree, it'll take you to our iTunes page, and you 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 can listen no matter where you are, right? So hey, find us in one of those formats, and thank you for joining us this week. This week is part two of our topic on responding to teenagers in crisis. You know, all of us are going to go through something at some time in our life, a difficulty, suffering, some kind of a hardship. And so as leaders, how do we help our teens in that, in that setting when they go through something like that? So I want to give you seven coping methods, okay, seven coping methods. When it comes to things like uh, accidents that cause, you know, uh, a scar or a loss of a limb or put a, a, a teenager in a wheelchair or you know, uh, something that's a long-term effect of, a, of an accident. Or maybe it's a sickness, it's a long-term sickness. Um, something where, that is uh, going to last for a while and a student's gonna have to process that and a family has to deal with that. And then ultimately also death and, and maybe the ultimate loss in someone's life, right? So I'm gonna deal with all of those, I'm gonna put them all together and uh, I think you'll see where we're going with this in these coping methods. Seven coping methods. Hey, number one, understand sometimes we really don't know what to do. And that's okay. All this other stuff that I'm going to talk about, you know, sometimes one thing will work with one person and maybe points four and five will work with another person. But I've learned this, that sometimes in all of our efforts, it, it may not work. It, it, we may not help somebody other than just being there, right? How important that is. I've learned that sometimes suffering and hardship and crisis is personal. And it's just not math. It's art. Isn't that interesting? That when we go through difficulty, oftentimes it's not math where I can figure this out. It's art. It's it's in the eye of the beholder and the person going through it. So understand, number one, that sometimes you just don't know what to do and that's okay. Number two, allow the person who is being affected by this difficulty, this hardship, this suffering, this loss, this accident, allow them to go through this process and to begin the steps of grieving. I'll cover those in just a minute. But oftentimes, you know, we say things like, listen, it's okay, just move on. Or we can, we can think we're trying to solve the problem by, by um, suppressing their feelings, when really we should not be suppressing feelings. No, often I think we, we can stop the healing process if we do that. So I've learned to not filter the feelings that people have. Allow them to go through those feelings and to understand that you want honesty out of them. You want genuineness out of them. You, you want them to be real, okay, not fake, okay? So that's number two. Number three is encourage people to talk. Talking is a process. 
Talking is a healer. It helps us understand maybe what is going on inside when we put our words together and then somebody can help us process those words, maybe what, we're, what we really mean by that. So the more someone talks, the easier it is for them to heal because really talking becomes um, part of the process uh, of sharing feelings that we're not even sure what they mean. You know, I, I can explain it best this way. Often when I'm going through a difficulty, and many of you know my story and the loss of my wife a few years ago, it's easy to just stop, especially when I'm alone and no one's around, to, 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 not, to not even speak and to sit in silence and to let my mind begin to say things to itself or to feel things. But what I've learned is if I talk that out, then I put some intelligence and I put some meaning and some phrases to it. And when somebody else hears that, it can help me process my thoughts, maybe a little better than just letting them echo in my mind. I hope that makes sense to you. It sure did to me. Let me lead you to number four, and that is the, the stages of grief set right in the middle here. The stages of grief, the processes that people will go through. It may, it may look like um, denial initially. When somebody is going through suffering, it may look like denial. It may look like sadness. It may look like depression, right? Where sadness gets beyond, uh, in that second part of the grieving process, gets beyond a normal uh, sadness of loss or sadness because of the situation and it gets into depression and they're not able to talk and they isolate themselves, right? That, that, and, and then these stages can move to anger or rage, right? And these are not all in the same order. Uh, it, depending on the, the sociological model or the psychological model, the, there'll be different, uh, 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 you know, um, orders for these, but the, the anger will set in. And, and then it will move to uh, number four, and that is guilt. Guilt. And sometimes with guilt comes like this regret, like, man, I could have done more. Or as you're healing, you feel the guilt that it's behind you, it, right? Or, or maybe regret that you could have done more and so now you feel guilty that you didn't do enough. And so all of these problem solving starts to come and boy, I wish I, if I would have just, the second guessing, the hindsight, you know, that in, in the process. And then we get into blame, don't we? We get into blame, we'll blame others, we'll blame God, we'll blame ourselves. We'll blame the person or we'll blame an accident, you know, and somebody caused that. Uh, th th that's natural and that's okay to, to walk through that. And then finally, we'll move into acceptance. I, I wanna say something about acceptance because I'm gonna move to number five is gonna be acceptance, but just in these grief stages, when you get to the stage of acceptance, okay, that's not a negative thing. So understand that, that that's just part of the process. So let me move to number five and that whole idea of acceptance and change. Because you know what I found when I was going through the loss of my wife? I began to heal and feel like God was doing things in my life and others were helping me 
and the things they were saying really uh, helped me to go to sleep and, and not to be in despair, you know, those kind of things or angry or whatever, all those processes I was going through. When I began to accept this, I started feeling like, you know, I shouldn't be over Jane. I shouldn't be over her loss or maybe you feel like when you start to accept something that it means that you are disrespecting or that you have failed. Maybe uh, you're dealing with a young person who has a sickness or maybe this accident and they feel like when they start to accept it that they're a failure and they didn't fight long enough. Man, don't let that happen because to be honest, I really believe that um, acceptance is faithfulness, not failure. Did you hear that? Acceptance of this situation can ultimately be, can ultimately be faithfulness not failure, okay? So see that in number five. Number six, this is uh, one of the, I think one of the most freeing uh, coping methods is to involve others in the process. You know, we just finished some mental health teachings and uh, blogs the last few weeks and we went there and talked about referral, referral not being failure. Listen, at some point when you're helping someone, maybe you feel like, uh, you're not helping and you don't have, know what else to say. I've learned bringing another counselor into the setting is really a new set of fresh eyes and fresh language to help this person. And you know, aside from just another counselor, what about involving um, others in their circle, peers? Getting other, I love to pull other students and get them around a student who's suffering or going through a difficulty because Students know how to talk to students better than adults know how to talk to students sometimes. Have you found that to be true? Man, I have. And so I love to watch other students get involved with me and bring them into the session or even just take them over and, meet and let, them, let the person that's struggling meet somebody else who's gone through a suffering and a difficulty also. Then they realize, man, I'm not the only one, right? Let me take you to the last uh, coping method and this is probably the most difficult to talk about. I, I, I mean this because this is maybe a weakness of mine. This is something that I, that maybe I don't see uh, from someone else's perspective. You know, empathy is really important, but I'm, I'm weak in that at times. And it relates to this last area. And that last area is our death attitude. Our death attitude or our sickness attitude or our accident or our suffering or our hardship attitude. You know, it can be easy for us to think, I don't deserve this. I'm elite, I'm American. See, in the West, we don't deal with death very well. We deal, because death is a hard thing for us. Death is like, I'm gonna deny it, I'm gonna delay it, I'm gonna fight it. But I don't believe that that's true. I don't believe that death is always a negative thing. Really, let that sink in. Because in the East, there's, there's a little more of a mystical feel about it, that death is just a part of life. It's just a part of the process. So depending on how your death attitude, it can be really difficult to deal with disappointments and, um, and hardship, your hardship attitude. It can be really difficult if you've got a, a, an attitude toward hardship that is a negative thing, right? I wanna give you a resource. It's probably self-serving, but for those of you that have not read my book, it's called 
hashtag if Job had Twitter. What would Job say if he had social media? What would he say to millennials about suffering and hardship? Right? That's so important. And if you'll read that, I've got a chapter in there that, that is really practical. And I'm going to vlog some of those principles from that chapter so you can follow along. Thank you for joining us on these uh, coping methods and helping uh, teenagers deal with crisis. Okay? Again, all you got to do is go to our social media, hit the link tree, and that will take you to all the platforms where you can watch this, where you can read this, where you can listen to this, okay? Um, at our YouTube, at youthology.com, and at our iTunes pages. So once again, thank you for joining us. This has been Youthology Resources, and join us again uh, on episode 54, which will be uh, in one week from today. I'm gonna uh, tackle another topic, and I'll bring that to you, and you'll be able to uh, follow along with us and increase your youth leadership, okay? Hey, thank you for joining us. Have a great day week.